diving into data. Diving, di diving, d data. Diving into data with T.C. Riley. Hello, hello, hello again, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Diving Into Data. I am your host, T.C. Riley, Big Data. How's everyone doing out there? Rolling on into April, into Q2. Hope that your 2021's going well so far, and excited to bring you another episode of Diving Into Data today. Our title this week is A Ship in the Bank, A Hit to the Bank. So, as you can probably guess if you're paying any attention to the news the last couple weeks, what we're going to be talking today is about the Ever Given getting stuck in the Suez Canal. So this was a massive freight ship that got stuck in the canal, kind of went off course a little bit there, got stuck in a bank, took about a week to get that freed. This truly was one of the worst logistical nightmares, we can call it, that we've seen in a while. It was very significant. Supply chains that have already been stretched really thin by COVID took another hit with the closing of the critical passage for a week. And the th angle we're going to take on this, you've seen every story talk about this, and you're going to probably uh, see tons of other ones about the long-term impacts of this or what else changed. Heck, there's a couple great pieces on marketscale.com I encourage you to check out. But that's not what we're doing here on Diving Into Data. What we're really going to dig into is the numbers behind this. And what led this to this topic for me was I saw some huge numbers being thrown around on the economic impact of the temporary closing. And I really wanted to understand, what does this mean? What are these actually saying? Is this useful data? And the summary is that this is a great example of a topic we've touched on numerous times in the past of really understanding the full context before putting too much stock in a very specific data point or a certain number. So with that, sit back, relax, grab a drink if you choose to do so. Let's dive into some data. Alrighty, so before we dive into the actual incident, if you were like me, I knew what the Suez Canal was, I knew where it was, I knew it was important, but I didn't actually know a whole lot about it. I mean, it just frankly doesn't touch my life a lot here in Dallas, Texas. So let's touch on that a little bit. And this is all data from a BBC article that I located. The summary is you can't understate the importance of the Suez Canal to global trade. It is an incredibly important component of the international kind of infrastructure, especially in the shipping world. The canal that cuts through cuts about 3,500 nautical miles in nine days off the trip from Asia to Europe compared to going around the Cape of Good Hope, south of Africa there. And this is one of the most traveled trade routes in the world. I don't think it is the most traveled, but it is one of the top traveled trade routes in the entire world. So that's significant. That's not nothing. And uh, even though it cuts about nine days off if you're going from Asia to Europe, if you cut through here, if you're actually at the Suez Canal, you've kind of committed to that relevant, obviously, for all those ships that were stuck, it can take up to 28 additional days to turn around and go from Suez Canal back to Amsterdam around the Cape of Good Hope. So not an insignificant amount of time and delay there uh, if that is not fully functioning. In the canal, about 10 to 12% of all global trade passes through there each day. That's about a million barrels of oil a day and 8% of the world's liquefied natural gas each day that are going through the Suez Canal. Another kind of important piece as we touch on some of the economic impact is, well, who really relies on this? And I was blown away to learn that just the fees of the canal make up about 2% of the GDP of Egypt. That's a lot. That's very, that's not at all an insignificant amount of the GDP based on the canal. And usually about 14 to $15 million a day in fees is what we're talking about. The authorities collect there for the use of the canal. And the one other little number they threw out here that I thought was important, it kind of leads into our next one, is $9.6 billion of trade were held up each day, which is about $400 million an hour. Those are big numbers, kind of some scary numbers. So that is probably what you've uh, been familiar with. So let's kind of focus more on the, what the reports were when this came out. 
while the world awaited resolution on, is the ship going to get unstuck? Are they going to have to unload it? They're trying to dredge this and dig it out of the side here. What's going on? Many, many news networks that I saw really ran with the economic impact of this. And what I mean by that is a couple little spot examples. Saw something from CNN that nearly $10 billion was already lost, quote unquote, due to this incident. Uh, Fox coverage blockage is costing billions of dollars a day. Even an Associated Press article said the impact of the blockage could be in the tens of billions of dollars. Those are big numbers. And so if you just apply some basic math here and we say $9.6 billion a day is getting held up, which seems to be a kind of widely agreed upon figure, it's easy to see where these reports came from and why this was being reported. They were taking those numbers and saying, hey, every day, that's $10 billion. That's $9.6 billion. That's gone. Easy to see how they could get to the tens of billions of dollars and billions of dollars a day. It all makes sense. A little bit more of a measured approach, but this is still kind of the right as it was happening approach. The German insurance agency Alliance took the approach and they said it could cost total about six to $10 billion a week and reduce annual trade growth by about 0.2 to 0.4%. Those are still some pretty shocking numbers, but you can already see $9.6 billion a day adding up to tens of billions of dollars. And then another thing saying six to 10 billion a week. These are massive numbers for a, a pretty significant range we're talking about here um, of numbers. So again, this entire topic is what kind of put me down this path and led me to start thinking about what's the reality? What is the actual impact here? And what, when we dive into the data, because that's what we do on diving into data, what's it really going to show us? So before we actually even get into the numbers themselves, which NPR did a great article that actually really ran down kind of a postmortem from an economic perspective, let's talk about the reality of this situation. First off, Yes, this was a significant shock to global trade and directly impacted numbers of business, a number of businesses. Um, hundreds of thousands of businesses probably were impacted by this, but a lot of these numbers that we're hearing were drastically blown out of proportion. We're not going to get, you know, throw the economics hat on today and go too, too far down this path. But uh, just from a high level, you simply can't assume that the ships being held up by the Ever Given fell into a black hole. And that's almost what they were reporting it as is, hey, every second they sit here, we're just burning money in that, you know, it's like someone on those ships is sitting there pushing containers into the ocean because they're held up or something. It was almost the way it was being perceived that, oh, $10 billion a day is being lost. Calm down, slow down. There is an unknown economic impact, first off, is an important point to remember while it was in place because you can't know until it's freed what the true economic impact is. You don't know all the examples of uh, what's on these ships. You know, is it perishable? What are the other factors going into this? Is there certain deadlines or restrictions? And, you know, some of these things had to be in uh, Amsterdam or wherever they were headed in Europe by a specific time. Um, and somehow it's at least kind of acknowledged that, hey, the true economic impact won't be known. Not all of them, I might add, but some of them did give that. So we'll give them that. But really what this boils down to for me, when we're talking about a data perspective, using data, understanding the numbers, really seeing what this is about. This is an excellent example of data not being incorrect. It's not wrong. It's just being applied inappropriately. And this is an extreme example because we're talking about, you know, uh, tens of billions of dollars potentially. And there's something to say about, you know, you got to got to get the right spin if you're a news network to make people listen. And it sounds flashy if you say $10 billion a day that, you know, that raises some ears. But the other point that kind of occurred to me as I was watching this is, yeah, the news networks are doing this for whatever reason and they're going through this, but businesses actually do this all the time. Not intentionally, not necessarily the scale, but when you get confused and you don't understand which KPIs really matter and maybe even more importantly, what the context is around those KPIs you can fall into the exact same trap of these news networks. You can rely on some basic algebra and say that 
XYZ is going to cost, you know, this. And while you're not wrong, it's a mathematical equation that if you know, let's say if a, I don't know, if a sales rep quits and they're selling $100 a day, well, $500 a week, we're going to lose in sales. Yes. From that individual, if they were producing $100 a day, then yes, over the course of a week, five business days, you would have 500 less dollars gained. Sure. Absolutely. In this very specific use case, I'm kind of going down. Some things that you're not considering are, what are the long-term ramifications of that person? You say $100 a day. Was that that the day before they quit, they made $100? Was it the last week? Was this a trend over six months or a year? Are we sure about that $100 a day, first off? Second, do we consistently see that they're working five a week? Again, if we're looking, if you say, well, it's $500 a week, or if it's, you know, I don't know, let's say $2,000 a month, give or take 20, 22 business days, something like that in an average month. Are you accurately applying these? And let's say you are, let's say you did all that and you're like, no TC, like, yeah, this is, you know, going back a year, we see consistently, we're looking at a year, six months, a month or a week, hundred dollars a day was the number. Okay, cool. Great. So we've already added some context. We already added some important notes there, but we're going to go even a little step further here. So not only hundred dollars a day, but you've now said, well, we're losing $500. Yes. Again, from that rep, were their leads transferred to other reps that are now able to close more deals? So you're going to see an increase in those that's going to you know, partially offset that. Could be. I don't know. Obviously, this is a fake use case, but absolutely something to consider. Second, if that rep left, does that salary now going to get allocated to a new sales rep? So yes, maybe temporarily you've lost this. However, you're also going to quickly replace this. This isn't some indefinite void in your business. I'll go back to my black hole example. It's not like whatever this person was doing likely just falls into a black hole where it's never to be seen again. No, those leads can be handed off in the future. Someone else can be trained to take over this role, uh, whatever the case may be. And all this to say, we won't go too, too far with this, but what I'm emphasizing here is again, understand what KPIs really matter. That's one component of it. Something we've touched on a ton of, you know, too much data and what really matters. But even when you have boiled it down to what things that really, really matter, Make sure you understand the context. Make sure you understand everything else going on around this. And don't just leap to a conclusion without really considering every element of the situation. We're going to take a quick, quick break here on diving into data. We'll be right back to actually discuss what truly happened. What was the actual impact instead of that billions of dollars a day? We'll be back. Alrighty, welcome back to diving into data. So we're talking about these uh, fantastical, you could almost call them reports about the economic impact and what this all really costs. And what was really interesting more to me, again, being the data guy was, uh, this all sounds fine dandy, uh, cool. Hey, you, you got the click because the, the headline sounds you know ridiculous or uh, over the top, but what was the actual impact of this? So I kind of want to compare it to some of these, uh, the sky is falling scenarios. So Again, before I start this, again, this all comes from an NPR article I found, awesome article. And I want to caveat that this is not to say that there were not serious impacts of uh, the blockage. We just touched on a second ago how important this canal is in international travel. Frankly, there's a reason this was like one of the leading stories around the world that week. It, it should have been. It was a big deal. But again, let's now that we've acknowledged that, let's start peeling back these layers. So first off, the fact that it was resolved within a week was incredibly significant. A number of sources reporting that there could have been actually an exponential, call it rising cost to this, had this not been uh, immediately resolved and been able to be handled. And we're talking about is, hey, if more ships are having to be rerouted, a handful were rerouted around Cape of Good Hope, adding that, you know, give or take 28 days to the voyage that we discussed, but not all of them were luckily. Most of them were able to just kind of wait it out, let it be cleared and able to kind of uh, clear the traffic jam. 
But if it goes on longer, also more goods are spoiled. Anything that's in semi-perishable, and when we say perishable, you immediately jump to you know food and uh, drink and beverages, things like that. But while I believe there was some of that impacted, also there are definitely you know electronic components. Did they have enough? storage and that need to be kept really cold or whatever the case may be. So we'll just say a decent number of goods could have spoiled. A number of them might have, but a lot more would have had this gone on for weeks or weeks or months or months. Really though, the more significant impact was to the supply chain. There were certain things that there's articles about, hey, whenever this clears, we're gonna have an issue in some of these ports because, you know, a let's say a week's worth of ships are gonna kind of arrive in Europe all about the same time, or vice versa, going back to Asia which is absolutely important. So the one thing that kind of stood out for me is this one quote in this NPR article that the actual impact to most consumers is negligible. That really stood out to me because after sitting here reading for days how billions of dollars were being lost, um, and in my head, um, I'm starting to wonder, how is this going to impact me? How could this impact you know, stock markets? How could this impact the price of gas, the price of oil? All, all these things are kind of running through my head. That was a little reassuring to see, hey, the actual impact is from a consumer perspective, the end of the line here is negligible. However, that doesn't mean that this was a negligible impact to everyone involved in the situation. There were definitely significant operating cost hits to many shipping companies involved in this in any capacity. A rough estimate in this article said that it's about a million dollars, what they call each way for the ship that this delay costs. That's primarily driven by about $80,000 a day in fuel costs for these ships. First off, that number blew my mind. That's a lot of money for fuel. But unfortunately, when you drive a truck like I do, um, <laughs> not that shocking. But uh, it, it, so uh, we're talking about, again, a ship going from Asia to Europe and then back to Asia. They're expecting, based on this delay, about a million dollar hit each way on that. All right, that's not insignificant for the shipping companies. It's not tens of billions, but no, it's not insignificant at all, worth noting. Really, the most, actually the biggest cost of these shipping companies where it's really going to hit them, that million dollars a day hurts, but what's going to hurt a lot more is actually insurance premiums. So the real losers here, the biggest losers right off the bat were the insurance companies for these large vessels. So almost all these vessels, obviously they're carrying a ridiculous amount of money um, in terms of product. So they have all types of insurance for these. And when the insurance kind of got triggered based on, again, anything that spoiled delays, deadlines that weren't missed, I don't know shipping insurance policies enough to go too deep into this, but the good news is that those companies were probably actually covered from a lot of those immediate losses by their insurance policies. But if you know anything about insurance, the way that works is yes, the insurance company takes the hit today. You paying those insurance premiums will take the hit for uh, I'll say tomorrow, but really tomorrow, next week, next year, the next hundred years, whatever it may be. So that's the real cost that shipping companies are actually probably trying to understand the long-term impact of is how much more is our insurance going to cost for this, let's say $100 million of goods that we're shipping. That is not insignificant. That is an operating cost long-term that you know their, their equation to profitability has changed based on that. The other thing that they mentioned, and again, tied back in, because this is one of the first things I thought of was consumers, if they would have been hit, if this had gone on just a little bit longer, what it probably would have been a hit in is a temporary increase in oil prices. We still might've even seen a tiny bit of that after this, but it wasn't, you know, it, it was uh, barely a blip on the radar, luckily. Had it gone on longer, yes, it absolutely would have been. So all this to say, these numbers at the end of the day, yes, there was an economic impact in the millions of dollars to many companies. There was a maybe even the tens or hundreds of millions for certain insurance providers for these shipping vessels. Yes, there was a significant cost for the 14 to 15 million dollars a day that Egypt was collecting. And it, this really sucked for Egypt probably more than anyone else for being honest. But all those numbers are, are kind of part of the risk associated um, in this industry. It's something I kind of I was excited to learn more about for this episode. 
And at the end, consumers, again, the actual impact to most consumers is negligible. So while it might be sexy to say the sky is falling and it's tens of billions of dollars a day, yes, tens of billions of dollars of goods a day were theoretically being held up by this. But no, again, I'm going to go back to my thing of they didn't fall into a black hole. A lot of these things still got delivered. Yes, there was a uh, you know delay, this, that, and the other thing. But no, it was not ruined. It was not wiped out. We aren't just you know uh, completely out of luck. But again, uh, the other component of this logistical challenge, and I, I do think this is worth hitting on because I'm not trying to say that, that there were no impacts to this, and I want to emphasize this. So let's dive into the logistical challenges as kind of presented a little bit more also. Since they were able to clear within a week the ship, which uh, again, shout out to the team that it was able to do that. I don't think that was a fun project. Many goods were delayed, but not ruined, we'll call it. Well, you know, we'll keep it very uh, elementary here. Many businesses did face in a kind of an immediate fallout as so many supply chains operate on a just-in-time model that really prioritizes timeliness, especially with the shipping of goods internationally. So yes, there were businesses that, as I say, the end consumer didn't have much impact. There were shops, especially in Europe. Um, that's where the real impact was. It sounds like it probably didn't even impact the Americas that much just from a kind of a waterfall effect. But in Europe, there, there were shops that opened up one day and didn't have the inventory they were supposed to have because it's supposed to be on a boat. And maybe, hey, maybe they, you know, they still haven't even received that. They're, they were supposed to receive it today, but they're not going to receive it till next week now based on this delay and kind of the downstream effect of this. But there is an impact to businesses. It's worth noting that anytime a just-in-time supply chain that realistically almost all the world operates on now, whenever there's a you know, straight-up halt of a significant piece of that, there's going to be impact. Manufacturers and those that relied on the components within here and the raw materials being transported were really impacted. That's what I'm kind of emphasizing here. And while there could be downstream impacts to other businesses, to consumers at the end of the day, really it was the people that relied on those exactly. And again, it, it there's not enough data and really understanding at this point, at least, you know, we're only a couple of weeks out from this to really see the full big picture. But this spun me back. I'll take the market scale angle on this. Everyone knows we're a B2B company. And it actually made me realize that something I never really thought about. B2B actually often takes the initial brunt of supply chain challenges, even if the end consumer doesn't see much of an impact. And if you're, if you're immediately thinking, well, I couldn't buy toilet paper for a year, TC. Fair point. Okay, yes, sometimes consumers are impacted by weird supply chain things. However, in a normal situation, B2B businesses are the ones truly relying on more of that supply chain. Yes, obviously, there's a very critical supply chain getting to the consumer, and there's a ton that goes into that, not discounting that at all. But kind of made me realize for the first time, and maybe this is just a weird anecdote that's only you know relevant or interesting to me, but that B2B do take the brunt of supply chain challenges um, most of the time. That, that was kind of a cool revelation for me. Um, and really, the, the biggest takeaway I had after all of this, after reading, after learning more about it, after learning more about shipping insurance than I ever thought I'd know in my life, um, was that the impact of the global supply chains really do impact so many businesses and things downstream. Even if they're not you know, critical here, even if the numbers aren't ridiculous here, the uh, how fragile these supply chains are and how one little tweak like that can really throw a wrench in things. We're talking about one ship being stuck for one week. And yes, I know that ship closed one of the most important canals in the world. I get that. But we're at the end of the day, we're talking about one captain or whatever the investigation kind of unturns as to what caused this weather event or whatever it was. One little anomaly, for lack of a better term, with Ever Given could have impacted so many things and did impact a lot of things. So it was just a really interesting takeaway. And I, I, again, I want to emphasize this logistical component because I'm not trying to downplay that this was incredibly significant. 
I'm just also trying to emphasize that, hey, just because a news network is throwing out some eye-popping numbers, let's take those with a grain of salt and like actually understand what the true impact or true evaluation is, not just uh, uh, you know scream that the sky is falling. All righty, so to wrap up our show today, again, the, from a big picture, the Ever Given issue was a significant impact to the global economic community. There's no doubt about it. However, many of the initial reports significantly overstated the actual impact and excluded critical context. They were not incorrect. They were factually right with numbers. It wasn't like they were lying or manipulating the data. They just weren't presenting the full picture of the data. Maybe it's that they didn't understand or just didn't bother to help the viewer understand what the actual impact of this is, what these numbers mean, and that you know, $10 billion a day doesn't necessarily mean $10 billion a day, as weird as that sounds. So uh, my wish to you, um, those uh, you listening to this, is when you are using data, whether it's in economics, within a business, your personal finances, just to calculate how far you have to go, so you know you can go before your tank's going to be empty in your car, whatever it may be, anytime you're using data, you must ensure that you take the full picture into consideration. Just like data can be the most powerful tool in the world and the best thing ever, it can also be manipulated intentionally or unintentionally if you aren't taking context into consideration and really thinking about what all of this means. I appreciate you guys joining us today for another episode of Diving Into Data. Again, our topic today, a ship in the bank, a hit to the bank. I hope you guys have a good one. Take care and we'll see you soon. See ya.